Are you looking for a new kind of talk show? One that motivates and encourages you to follow your passions? Welcome to the Foxworth Theory with Eugenia Foxworth. You'll hear from a variety of guests from all walks of life. Now, here is your host, Eugenia Foxworth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Foxworth Theory. I'm your host, Eugenia Foxworth. This show is about fashion, art, entertainment, and business. And we will be speaking to people that are movers and shakers from around the world. And they, their story. Our special guest today is Adrienne Alicia. And I hope I'm saying the name correctly. And um, the house of Alicia was born out of his lifetime love affair with avant-garde fashion and the purest freedom of an artist. Adrian sews from hand like a sculptor as he shapes and molds each fabric to fit the human form with such care to the ornate details he creates in each design. Uh, the Adrian Band represents an orgy of defiance, absolution without the fear of retribution. The temerity of Adrian Alicia is only surpassed by the precise execution of his vision. The fact that he also has real human frailties make him greater than is realized by those who are not able to see through the fog of adulation. Again, mm. welcome my guest, the celebrated designer, Adrian Alicia. Oh, wow. Hi. Thank you so much for that. Uh, it's beautiful. And, and the last name is pronounced Alicea. Alicea. Yes, that's how it's pronounced. It's Adrian. Um, because in Spanish, it's Adrian Alicea. That's the name of the brand. But in English, it's, of course, Adrian. People don't pronounce the E. They pronounce it as an I, so they say Alicia. But it's yeah. an E, so it's Alicea. Alicea. Very that's good. much yes. more romantic. It's more romantic. Yes, it is. Yes, but thank you so much for having me. That was really well done. How you? Thank you that um, the one section that you just read about, uh, it was a great friend of mine, Earl Murray, who I met him and he came to one of my shows and he just started talking to me in that language. And I'm like, wow, this is how you see me? He's like, yes, this is what I see. And I said, this is amazing that someone could see that. And as he saw my collection, that after I heard what he, because he did a write-up, he works also for Roberto Cavalli, and he did the write-up. I, I just said, come get whatever you want. I gave him an outfit. I said, you can get anything you want. <laughs> I answered. And that's so beautiful when you hear things like this. And But I, I'm just really appreciative. And um, I'm ready. I'm just excited to be here. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. And my audience and I welcome you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. So what was life like as a little boy growing up in Puerto Rico? Because that's where you're from, right? 
Yes, I was born in Puerto Rico, Sabana Grande, which is in the south. I came when I was like maybe three years old. So I was raised in the Bronx, but the roots and at home with my mama Carmen and my papi Nemesio and my beautiful nine sisters and two brothers. I come from a big family. I'm number 11. So yeah, it's, it's a big family. So it was always so much love in the house and all the salsa and Afro music. You know, we grew up with the world of uh, that, that beautiful, my mother had these beautiful saints, you know, from the Catholic world and my father was Christian. So it was like two worlds together, but there was so much love in the house. And I just remember a lot of music and pets and just so much of just joy and, and love. And as a child, and we could only speak Spanish in the house. <laughs> so I was taught English at maybe, you know, kindergarten, first grade, third. And that's how I was, I was taught English. So the first language is Spanish. And that's, that's, and growing up in the Bronx, I guess that, that love from seeing my sisters, I mean, I have, my oldest sister is literally like 84 years old. So yeah, I know. I, old school. My dad was born 1907. My mom was born 1928. I am 54 years old for the record. And yeah, so it's, it's, I come from an old school generation of just love. And I think seeing my sisters and my mother always dress up that that's where, you know, women, women do it more than men for some reason, you know, you look at women. So I guess that's where it came from, like seeing my mother and also sewing for my little sister's she was sold for them and dressed them alike. And she was so everything by hand. So um, that's, I think the inspiration comes from there, first of all, because I remember I was a kid in the seventies and my little si my sisters who dress up and look like, now that I think about it, Charlie's angels hair and the big platform shoes and the bell bottoms. And it's crazy. I see the kids doing it now. It's like, wait, my sisters did this. <laughs> so it's just beautiful to see it now over again. But, Again, the inspiration must have come from the love and the, the family. And even my dad would dress up. You know, he was a debonair man. He would always dress up in beautiful colors and his nice, like, muted browns and just beautiful grays. So it just comes from there first. Wow. Well, since you moved here at the age of three um, from Puerto Rico, do you miss home? And would you ever move back there? Because it was a part of your life. Yeah, and I came when I was a child, but there's something about it that I still have these memories. Like I was, I, I see it because I love anything with nature. I mean, you can just let me go through nature and be in barefoot, even though I do fashion and I love the art of it. But there's something about being just barefoot in nature and it's just so beautiful. So I think that I would go there and just get a place and just, mm -hmm. if not retire, just to live by the beach. And that's something that I think that, it helps the soul. So coming from that world and you could actually pick from the trees and just eat like we were supposed to. So that's the beauty of living like that and, and having that, just that, that tropical feeling and the love. Yeah. So I say, yes, I would go back one day and live or have a place there and here because I'm in New York and I love New York. Of course. Yeah. You have to, you're from the Bronx. From the Bronx, and I live in Harlem now for 20 years. So I'm in Harlem as yes, we speak. Yes, the art, everything, the music, yeah. the clothes, the feeling. Ah. I have a question. You were sure. speaking that um, you there are 11 siblings. So you have nine sisters and a brother? Two brothers. And my 
Oh, I had a brother who passed last year when COVID started. There was Raul Alicea, I made him rest in peace. So that struck us because we, you know, long story with that. But um, so I just lost a brother. So now there's 11 of us. So it's so crazy that to even have him around. It's like, you know, but uh, yeah. So I still say 12, even though he's in heaven. And my parents are in heaven too. So. Yeah, but they're your angels. They're my angels. They're my ancestors. They look out for me. Yeah, so yes. what was it like being surrounded by all those beautiful girls? Oh, I, I just remember as a kid, they would sometimes I had big, beautiful hair. And I'm not, I, I remember even some of them putting um, mascara on me and they would do things to me sometimes, even though I had the, the guy friends and play the sports and be a boy. There was moments where they're like, oh, let's do your hair and put mascara on. I'm like, really? And, you know, to me, it was, uh, it's okay because they're just, you know, that's what they did. Maybe because I was watching too much and I would stare at them. They were walking around naked. You know, we didn't care. It was just like, it wasn't nothing just to see a naked body. And I guess that's it. Coming up, growing up with women, especially the girls, they all like babied me because I'm the youngest boy. So they were just like, everything is just the brother, the little brother. They're all so proud of me right now. So I thank my sisters so much because they're all just like, you know, they're just amazing. They're like mothers to me. <laughs> And you were their living doll baby, you know, like paper dolls you dress up yeah. and the dolls that the kids, but you were living, which is wonderful. I mean, it's a, it's beautiful to hear those yeah. things. What was it like working with Giorgio, Armani, Jean-Paul Gaultier, Iman, Kate Moss, and so many others at such a young age? What was that like? It, it was it was almost like surreal because I remember as a child and as a teenager and um, meeting these people who were already in the limelight and fabulous and the way they welcomed me, they saw me as a rising star. They saw me as someone like, oh, you belong with us. You can sit with us. And I said, OK. So to me and my father always taught me, you know, don't treat celebrities like they're better than anyone else because we're all the same. So I never was a wild factor like, oh, my God, maybe a few of them when I met Armani and he kissed me on the cheek and he was like 10 beautiful men. And he just said, he told his friend, oh, he's assistant. I want him for my show. And I was like, what is he saying? He said, he loves you. You're in his show. I'm like, what? So when you meet these people and they're just so at it, like you're working for me, we love you. And that's it. And then you say me, like, what is it? But then me being six, three and a hundred, maybe and 70 pounds as a young kid and had long, beautiful hair and pretty face they said, oh, are you Egyptian? Are you Moroccan? Are you Roman? You know, what are you? Where are you from? So I'm from Puerto Rico. They're like, wow. So I guess, they, you know, being exotic and having the Afro roots because we come from that. It also, you know, they said people love the, 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 someone that's different. You know, that, that's what I've learned. And all those people from Armani to Jean-Paul Gaultier, Terry Mugler was the first one. He actually took me to Paris and I did his show. And that's where I met Iman. She was my first runway partner. So... It, it's something that it's just amazing. You can't take, you can't take it back because it's something that it was just given. And, and I guess that helped me and boost me to become a designer because that's not, that wasn't my dream. My dream was to become a veterinarian. Really? Yes. A veterinarian. How yeah. interesting. <laughs> and that leads me to another question. I, did I get veterinary and dancer mixed up? Did you dance like a gazelle? I mean. I did. I did. I did. I danced for years. I was 
I grew up in the Bronx with the world of salsa, of course, and then electric yes. boogie and break dancing. So I would just jump in whatever I can learn. Then on the side, when no one was watching, I would put on the nutcracker and practice ballet. <laughs> so that's because I, I didn't go to school for none of this. So I was just in the house and I would just practice my pirouettes and my genets. And uh, there were just some beautiful things and the attitudes. And I had no idea I was doing this till I met professional dancers and they're like hey you have a great turnout and you can wow how do you do and i'm like uh what school did you go to in a school of hard knocks you know it's just just <laughs> yeah so this it, it, the dance again it comes from the roots that i came from it's beautiful and um it, it all bind you know jump in together because when terry mugler auditioned and he saw me he saw me dancing first and he said i want you he said i want you to dance at my show which was in the world of voguing so uh -huh. me, myself, and Willie Ninja were the first two ever to take voguing to Europe. Before anyone, before Malcolm McLaren, before Madonna, before it was all in Harlem first, where it came from the 60s and 70s, and the kids were doing it. And But we were the first two to take it abroad with an international, like, worldwide designer, world-known. And we broke the barrier. Now it's it's just everyone and everybody who's jumped into the pot. It's like, so I'm happy to say that me and Willie Ninja and we took it to Paris and with so Terry took us and we, we got to do it with Iman. And I remember she asked me, she said, what do I do? I said, what do you mean? What do you do? You're already doing it. You are Vogue, I told her. We follow you. And she's like, well, what? I said, just keep posing because Vogue comes from the magazine Vogue. You know, that's yes. where Vogue comes. So it comes from the women that pose. So as men, mm -hmm. uh, the, gay, the gay men who did it in Harlem, they were started posing. And that's where the, the name came from. And then, of course, the acrobats came in and the, the hieroglyphics of the Egyptian poses and the mannequin poses. And it's all, you know, the runway. And that's where the, it was formed, the, the, the dance. So women, women, again, back to women. <laughs> yeah, that's where it is. So, uh, yeah. Well, I loved it. I loved Armani. I'm going to go back a minute because I was so involved. I didn't say what I was going to say, especially since it's all about you, you telling your story. But when you said that Armani met you and pulled you aside, I had the pleasure of meeting him three weeks before he went on to another plateau. And he treated me as if, I was someone very, very special. And um, he said, I'm going to be in touch with you. And mm -hmm. uh, of course, we all know. But, mm -hmm. you know, the thing is, you are effervescent and you're well-rounded with all the things that you do. Who did you dance with as a professional dancer? Did you dance with a group? I danced, uh, of course, with Malcolm McLaren. We did a tour with him throughout Europe and Asia and Canada and the States. I did the video Deep in Vogue and Walt Starling. Um, it was amazing in 1989. And then I also danced with the Doug Elkins Dance Company, which I was in awe to actually have a dance company say, you can dance with us and go to the Joyce Theater and a Cassis in Toulon in France and Germany. And I'm like, oh, wow. And these are professional trained dancers. So to me, I was intimidated. For them, they were like, you're amazing. I'm like, what? So I got to say thank you to Doug Elkins. Thank you to Willie Ninja and Grace Jones. I got to do uh, Osaka with her and Germany and a few other places. So I get to do some backup with Grace Jones as well. So 
that that was amazing though those those times and yeah we're Malcolm. Yeah, that, yeah those were the best times so what do you love the most about being able to create art the way that you do i love that i can be free i am free to do what the heart tells me to do. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it comes from the heart and from the gut, they say, right? So it's the heart tells me I'm going to create a dress or whatever the garment is. I just make it. And it's about the freedom first because I learned to accept myself and to be free because we are all confined to follow rules. And I'm a bit unorthodox, you know, and I, I don't care what people have to say. I just do it. And when you do it, you end up setting the trend instead of following the trend where people say, oh, well, they're all doing this, so we should do it. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. If it's been done, how can we reinvent the wheel? And because everything is, you know, it's been done under the sun, but how do you make it to like make it yours and put your, your name on it and say, okay. So as me as an artist, I just, I take it and I say, okay, what was the best time of my life that I remember having the most fun? I got to say the 80s, you know, was as a kid, you saw everything in the streets and people would just dress up and just be free and no one cared about what anyone said. And, and I think that's what the moment is that just the, the characters that people didn't have to wait for Halloween to put on something cool. Yeah. So I guess that's the freedom. And for me, it's freedom and, and the love, the love of the art, because it's art. You know, the day fashion, music, dance, you know, we, it's, it's art photography, film, is art. The name of the end of the day, we have to consider it as beautiful art. And that's what I consider my pieces. They're art pieces, they're museum pieces. So whoever receives a piece that I made, it's forever. It's not the manufacturer. I do one of one because it's still private label what I do. It's private label. I'm not in, I don't have an investor yet. You know, so that, that time will come where the global thing come. But so then, it's okay. I have a private label. I'm, I'm well. I feel, I feel great. And that's the most important. You're more prepared than most because most people have the ideas and they don't have the mold. And you've got the mold. And at this time, I've got to do something. And we have to pause for a break. And uh, we'll be right back. Okay. I'm your host, Eugenia Foxworth. And we will be back to watch the Foxworth Theory. When we felt like we didn't have anything, it was music that gave us a voice. We could tell each other in a song, but we couldn't say in words. Learning music changed us, making us even smarter. We learned to harmonize together. And now we can go anywhere, anywhere our dreams take us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to the Foxworth Theory with Eugenia Foxworth. Now, back to this week's show. 
welcome back everyone to the Foxworth Theory. I am Eugenia Foxworth and my guest is Adrian Alicia. 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 I will get it. Alicia. I now have it. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, and it's so beautiful. And I do apologize because I hate when people mess up my name. Okay, but, I get it. It's yeah. uh it's a little on the the, the original it originally came from Sicily, the year three ninety seven BC. It was a Roman family and they pronounced it Alicea, like Versace. Ah. Ah. It's Alicea. But it's, they went over to Spain and da 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 and through a hundred years later, whatever, three hundred, is it became Alicea. Alicea. Well, I love yeah. it. I love the way it flows. I'm gonna do Alicea. it right. Alicea. It's romantic. Now, Adrian Alicea, how have you been able to stay active and positive throughout COVID-19? I've been staying positive just because I I really didn't have a choice. You know, I think about my parents who are in heaven and they've been, you know, they're my angels and my ancestors and uh, my brother who passed away, I told you. So that, and then I had COVID in February this year and I was hospitalized for 12 days and I had pneumonia. It was horrible. I was in the hospital. I couldn't walk. It was, it was horrible. So after that, I felt like, okay, I'm a rejuvenative being. You know, this is a new birth, a rebirth. And I said, I, I just have to grab it and just like, you know, just continue. God gave me the chance. He's like, okay, it's not your turn. And it was a, the most scariest moment. So the being, by being positive, I tried to, you know, by the world of, law of attraction and meditation and balance and the world of vegan. I'm plant-based, you know, this is 1998. I love plant-based, anything plant-based. So it just comes from that. And I am a very spiritual person, you know, that that's what it is. And, you know, I've always talked to myself, you know, and, and just say, okay, you can do this. And there's been moments, we all go through moments where it, you know, there's downs and emotionals. And I think if we don't have that, we don't grow from it. So I can be a very emotional person and very sensitive because I'm an artist, but it has taught me to just stay grounded and, and just keep following my heart and say, keep going. And, and I think of those people who passed away and known me and said, you better not give up. And Willie Ninja was one of them. I saw him at his deathbed. And before he passed, he told me, Adrian, if you ever give up, I'm going to get out my grace tone. He said, I'm going to pull you out your bed and you're not going to like that. You're going to be scared. I was like, oh, don't do that. So I think of Willie saying, you better not give up because it's a gift. You know, I didn't go to school for fashion and I don't know how to draw. I just know how to make clothes. And this has been a gift for me forever. So like yesterday, I just did a show by Wall Street at the mezzanine and the people that came up to me and said, wow, how you put these things together and, and the models and the people that I choose and I had them all with smoky eye and romantic. And these kids today, they don't, they don't know. They don't know about that. I said, just, just live it and soak it in. And everybody was like, you're so different. And I'm like, well, we're all kind of different, but we're all kind of the same. It's just how we're thinking. And most of us, again, we're just following the herd. I don't want to follow. I want to go. I just want to go. Yeah. And that's what got you where you are. That's what I want to ask yeah. you. You mentioned the house of Alessia. Alicea. Alicea. I'm trying to get it. I'm getting it's the front okay. and the back. Alicea. Very and, good. Um, 
Yes. You mentioned the house of Alisea. Now, and you said that you just do everything by hand. You just had a fashion show. Yes. Tell me about your house of Alisea. Beautiful. And how can I join it? You can you can join the House of Alisea. You'll probably be my uh, I don't know my fairy godmother at the House of Alisea. <laughs> it give me more blessings. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know the House of Alisea. I have house models. I have an Instagram. This is um, everything is social media. Is I am Adrian Alisea. So I have a lot of beautiful models that just come out of nowhere. My DM is flooded by so many models and photographers and makeup artists and just the movers and the shakers and stylists will just hit me up and say, can I be a part of what you're doing? Can I photograph your work? Can I work for you? Can I put on your clothes? Can I buy it? And when I see those messages, I'm like, well, thank you. Cause there's some negative messages too. And I just, I can't, I just swipe those. So like, we don't want negativity. We just want to receive the best. So if you want to join, you just got to hit me up and come with love. I say love first. So we need a revolution of love, first of all. So I think love will save the day. You know, it's uh, beauty will save the world. How's that? I love fashion. My first doll that I kept forever, I pulled up the grass by the roots, shook the dirt off of it and tried to braid. I love fashion, you know, but I'm my doll. I can't sew like you. Which brings me to this. How did you learn to make clothes by hand? I mean... You cannot draw, so do you use patterns? I mean, what do you do? I have two for forms here. Um, I do have two patterns, two patterns. And one pattern is from a bomber from 1985 that one of my seamstress, her name is Lucy, bless her heart. She's in her late 70s. And she has a whole big room full of just patterns and they're to the ceiling and she knows where everything is. And one day I said, I want to make a jacket. It's a bomber. She said, I think I have for you. It's all in Spanish because she doesn't speak English. So I said, Lisa, Lucy, quiero esto, quiero esto. I'm telling her in Spanish or whatever. And she's like, see me, joven de acá. Come, come, come. And she pulls out this box and it was a pattern from a 1985 bomber jacket. I said, oh, I need this. She gave me that. And it was all like wrinkled. And that's the pattern I use for most of my men's jackets. And I just will make it longer, shorter, smaller, tighter collar, hood, I'll just manipulate it. But the women's, it's all by my two forms, which I call Patricia and Linda. But <laughs> that's their names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so long story with that. But uh, my two forms, so I drape, I drape, I pin, I cut, and then I sew. So I don't know how to draw. I just go. So I see the fabric, and then I say, hmm, I can either use that one fabric, or I can mix leather and lace, or let's say wool and velvet. I like mixing patterns and textures. And so, and I love fabric, so I can tell a good fabric. I like, I like good fabric. And my friend of mine always told me, you have something about, you know, fabric. And as I said, maybe it's because I've been around all the masters and I felt the luxurious, I got the taste and the palette of luxury. So, you know, who doesn't want a luxury piece that can last you forever and you go buy a cheap piece that's good. You have to throw it away in a few weeks. And that's the difference. It's like, you're going to keep buying that piece over the cheap piece, just invest in a great piece. Mm -hmm. And then it lasts forever. So fabrics, and textures, materials, and 
and then I've always up, I've upcycled, I, I've recycled, I I know how to you know do a sustainable you know line. So it depends on you know I've had pieces that people gave me and say I don't need this old Chloe skirt and it's genius worth four thousand dollars. All right, give me and I'll cut it up and I'll make something else. So that was that was Chloe three seasons ago and I've done that too. And then I sold it and I showed it to the person that gave it to me, a friend of mine. She she has amazing pieces and she'll say, take this, do something, which I don't like taking another designer's piece and redoing it, but it was given to me by love. So I've done it to a few pieces and it's just a miracle what you can do when you upcycle and take pieces that was going to be thrown in the garbage or just give it to uh, someone else just... So it depends, but I, I like to cut from the fabric and just going from there. Yeah. And you uh, answered most of, well, most of my questions um, yeah. about the fashion and you just answered. So I will tell you what I was going to say. How do you keep it exciting and brand new when it comes to staying ahead of the fashion trend? However, the trend finds you. Are you go before the trend? So can you answer my question? <laughs> I, I, I guess because, yeah, I mean, I think that everything that we see, like, I, I, I look up to the Givenchy's and the Saint Laurent and the Balmain, you know, the, 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 when they were around. And, of course, the new designers, because those guys are now passed and they're gone. So the Balenciagas from the 1950 Balenciaga till now, you know, so... I look at those and I've researched them and how they did it, the Christian Dior, the, all, the, all the greatest, and Terry. So I look at them and I study those and I'm like, wow, so how do I keep it fresh? It's by, I guess, taking something, the fabric, and, and making it fresh, making it new without even knowing I'm making it new. I guess it's, it's, it's hard to almost explain it because it all – it all comes back from the past. So like, I love making cloaks because I love the world of Marie Antoinette and all that. So I love an epic movie. So I love making big giant shoulders and big cloaks for women. And a woman could wear a cloak to go get her mail and put shades on. And she already looks good. And she has a nightgown underneath and they're beautiful. So cloaks I love. And that's one of my pieces that I love, love, love. And, um, but how do we make it fresh? It's just by, making it fresh by the design. The design is what makes it fresh and new. And there, there's a piece right behind me. I'm dying to show you, but she's over there. But it's a beautiful lace dress. And it's, uh, well, it's in front of me. Sorry. It's over there. But it's just Go gorgeous. Get it. Go really? Get it. Sure. Okay. Okay. Here, look at this. Look at this. This is a gorgeous piece. Look at this, baby. Can't see it yet. You're keeping us in suspense. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Oh, my. <laughs> very, yes, very, very different. Very, very. So this, yes. Yeah, so this is from the world of the Spanish world, the flamenco, the bullfighter's wife. You know, the. that's oh. what I was thinking. Like, how do we make her? And then, oh, of the course, fringe. we can line it. Oh. The fringe, the, 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 the ruffle, the leg out, the drama of it all, right? Yes. Yeah, the beauty. Very, yeah, Very so, so. You have to be sultry to wear that. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, and women appreciate that. That, yes. you know, 
yeah, they, they bring the beauty out. So I guess Love it, uh, it. Thank you. So that's one of the pieces I'm working on. I'm actually going to be showing at the NASCAR Race Center. We're doing a, we're raising money for uh, kids with autism. October 15th, I'm showing about 35 pieces. I'm the closing designer. I'm a guest. I'm so all excited. All by hand. Yeah, all by hand. Exactly. Oh, wow. So basically, I'm not going to ask you what should we be looking for uh, this fall and winter because, you know, we have the fashion shows going on all over now because you don't follow it. You just do your own thing. But is there something we should be looking for? Well, I think that uh, I like to bring color to the winter. Most people, of course, black is, of course, is, it's crazy because black is not even a color. You know this. It's like, but we make it. I, I say I, I'll wear another color when they invent a new color, but we love black. So uh, black, of course, but I like, you know, the beautiful burgundies, of course, the winters, the warm oranges, those fall color oranges, sunsets. Like, so I like color as well for the winter. So most people stay with the blacks, the grays, the browns, the blues. I don't mind throwing a pop of an orange, beautiful turtleneck, you know, dress with a beautiful brown coat on top. The orange and browns are beautiful for me. That's just coming to me. I can see you with a beautiful orange turtleneck and a beautiful chocolate jacket. You see those two in the beautiful beige purse. You see how the, the colors are not exactly the same, but they still work in the family because they all bleed from the, from the brown, the brown into the orange, into the beige. So that and winter whites. I love a winter white. And then for the holidays, who doesn't want to shine and just glitter and sequins and, Right, the holidays. We gotta love it. So it's so much there's so much to play with in plaids. I love my plaids. I love the tartans. So the punk era, again, back to the eighties. So we can make a tartan beautiful trench coat or we can make you a kilt, et cetera, et cetera. There's so much. So for me, knits are great for the winter. Knits are always comfortable and great. And I use stretch. Um, and I love my Kelly Greens for the winter. Kelly Greens are beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Do you think more is less or less is more? I say more is more, less is bore. How's that? I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it depends how much more. But more is more, less is bore, honey. You got to just go for it. And sometimes, look at Anna Piaggi. I don't know if you ever, she used to wear five hats and sit up in front of the front row and she was the editor of Italian Vogue. I mean, come on. So it depends on the woman. You know, you, every, everybody and the man, they have their own style. It's how you bring it. Yeah. Everybody has their own style. But, yeah, I, I, like, I like more. I like, you know, I like it. Why not? We're here. You know, I some know. people say they like to keep it subtle. I understand that, too. I have a lot of friends who just, you know, never wore a label or a logo. And they're just like which are great. I like got to have those people too around you. It's great. <laughs> well, I'm in your corner. I like, and I have my style, which is yes. whatever yes. flows. Now, what is your favorite color to go out on the town or what do you like to wear mm. when going to the red carpet? Like last night, what did you wear? Oh, I had a pair of pair, uh, white jeans that I made and I had stamped it all on one leg with my name 
it was like almost a graffiti again back to the 80s all on one leg with beautiful colors and i wore a beautiful um a two season old balenciaga beautiful bright and yellow and gray sneaker and i had a green a green t-shirt with my name on it and uh what was it a crystal Swarovski crystal black giant belt and of course my chanel polish and the gucci rings and you know my personal yeah i just have to but the models the models were like wow to me because i was focused on them then my friends are like you have to get dressed i'm like oh so i carry my extra two outfits in my big old gucci uh weekender i was like i have some things in there that i can pull out the the hat they say and just but i i wore that but normally the when Depends where I'm going. So if I'm going to the tropical islands, I put on some white linens and a beautiful collar shirt and a beautiful sombrero and a nice cigar and some cognac and some beautiful slippers. So depending where we're going. But my favorite color in the world is red. That's my favorite color. I got to say. Red is just like, it's power, it's fire. I'm a fire sign. I'm an Aries. So I love fire. I love the heat. I like it. You know, come on, give me... <laughs> I'm red is I'm positive. Yeah, red, red is positive. positive. Red yeah. brings you things. I know it does. It it does. I mean, everyone thinks yeah. all that I wear is black with a little bit of white, but I'm always wearing something red. Now always. I'll go to another subject. Now, what yeah. do you like to wear when you are just at home relaxing with the family? I see how you're relaxing now. I'm relaxing. So- I have a pair of shorts that I designed with my logo uh-huh. on it. I will have to get you some. They're just home shorts and T-shirts. Or when I'm working, honestly, I'm just in my boxers. <laughs> I'm just... Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be All honest. Right. I, I'm a, yeah, I keep it. I have my music on and, uh, you know, I have a little glass of wine or tea, you know, and then I just... Maybe smoke a little joint. Be honest, I'm no filter guy, and I just go ahead and create. And I love music from all around the world. My favorite group is the Cocteau Twins and the Dead Can Dance. And I, that I know I have so much. You know, I travel from. I have an eclectic mind and world of music that I listen to. It's not just one genre. So depending on the mood, like making this beautiful lace dress, I'll listen to like Paloma Negra by like. Christina, what is her name? Uh, the beautiful, she's only 18 years old. She's from Mexico. And that song that takes me back. My brother, my father, think, makes me think of them. And that I'll play when I'm lit, making a dress like this. It's Spanish. So, oh, it is. Depending. Yeah. So, if I'm making make a dress, make I'm going to, oh, we have a black, black view. Wait, now look at this. I, don't, don't say it. You just said the word. You just, I made it just for you. Look at this. Ready? Yes. I, I mean, I, I have, I have a black one. I have, I have a black and red one. And look at this for you, senorita. Oh, wow. Yeah, the black. I love it. They're both great. I love. Scoring. Yes. Yeah. So I, I have, I have a collection of beautiful dresses that I just, you know, I'm always making and creating. So and yes, so- black and so feminine well right now i have to stop for a break okay but uh we will be uh, right back okay what you know with me your hostess eugenia foxworth 
from the Foxworth theory, and yeah. we'll come right back and be speaking to Mr. Alicea. Muy bien, muy bien. Hi, I'm Dr. Teresa Smith, the Associate Dean of Graduate Medical Education at SUNY Downstate Health Sciences University. There's a lot of misinformation about the COVID-19 vaccine, so it's critical that you get the facts from sources you can trust. Here's one misconception, that the vaccine will alter your DNA. This is false. The current vaccines are mRNA vaccines, which provide a genetic code for your body to produce a protein. In this case, the COVID spike. Once that genetic code is done producing the COVID spike protein, it's eventually degraded by your body, and therefore it does not stick around and it cannot change your DNA. The ultimate goal is to have your body develop an immune system response to those COVID spikes by forming antibodies against it. With this immune system memory, every time your body sees COVID, you will have fighter antibodies that remember the COVID spikes. This will protect you from getting lethally sick. That's the truth. The COVID-19 vaccine is safe, effective, and our best chances at protecting ourselves and getting back to normal. So before you make up your mind, know your facts. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to the Foxworth Theory with Eugenia Foxworth. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Foxworth Theory, and I'm your host, Eugenia Foxworth, and our guest today is Adrian Alicea, and I would like to ask him one final question. Well, I'll combine it. Number one, what has been the most supportive or who has been the most supportive to you throughout your career? And what's next for you? Well, the support comes from, of course, the family, the phone calls from my sisters and, uh, of course, my one brother and my nephews and nieces. I, I have a big but I have friends in my life that if I name one, I have to name the rest, which I could, but there's a few names out there that, you know, people that's been in my life, um, there's been a great supporters and um, I got to thank, oh my God, Catalina and my little sister, Eileen, she's modeled me throughout the world and, um, oh my God, Manos and Sherry and uh, uh, Maria Barreto, there's so many guys, I love all my models, like, I've been I've, I've since 11 years of my own brand. I've worked with over 3,000 models already. And I got to thank the models that just been in my life because they they love what I do. And that's the, the beauty if they believe it and say it. And these are young kids who didn't grow up at my time. So when they see it, they're like, this is different. So the support has come from the people also that I don't know. Like on my Instagram, there's a lot of people that I don't know. And they purchase my clothes and I don't even know where, they, where they're from. They could be from London or anywhere around the world. So I say the people that I don't know have also supported me who I've never met in person, who just on Instagram saying, you're great. Where can I purchase? Or how can I rent it? Or 
I want to know who you are. So now that I think about it, Charlie's Angels hair and the big platform shoes and the bell bottoms. And it's crazy. I see the kids doing it now. It's like, wait, my sisters did this. <laughs> so it's just beautiful to see it now over again. But again, the inspiration must have come from the love and the, the family. And even my dad would dress up. You know, he was a debonair man. He would always dress up in beautiful colors and his nice, like, muted browns and just beautiful grays. So it just comes from there first. Wow. Well, since you moved here at the age of three um, from Puerto Rico, do you miss home? And would you ever move back there? Because it was a part of your life. Yeah. And I came when I was a child, but there's something about it that I still have these memories. Like I was, I, I see it because I love anything with nature. I mean, you can just let me go through nature and be in barefoot, even though I do fashion and I love the art of it. But there's something about being just barefoot in nature and it's just so beautiful. So I think that I would go there and just get a place and just, mm -hmm. if not retire, just to live by the beach. And that's something that I think that it helps the soul. So coming from that world and you could actually pick from the trees and just eat like we were supposed to. So that's the beauty of living like that and, and having that, just that, that tropical feeling and the love. Yeah. So I say, yes, I would go back one day and live or have a place there and here because I'm in New York and I love New York. Of course. Yeah. You have to, you're from the Bronx. I'm from the Bronx and I live in Harlem <laughs> now for 20 years. So I'm in Harlem yes, as we speak. Yes. The art, everything, the music. Yeah. Close the feeling. Uh, I have a question. You were sure. speaking that um, you there are eleven siblings. So you have nine sisters and a brother. Two brothers and my. Oh, I had a brother who passed last year when COVID started. There was Raúl Alicia. I made him rest in peace. So that struck us because we, you know, long story with that. But um, so I just lost a brother. So now there's eleven of us. So it's so crazy that to even have him around. It's like, you know, but uh, yeah, so I still say 12, even though he's in heaven. And my parents are in heaven too, so. Yeah, but they're your angels. They're my angels. They're my ancestors. They look out for me. Yeah, so yes. what was it like being surrounded by all those beautiful girls? Oh, I, I just remember as a kid, they would sometimes, I had big, beautiful hair. And I'm not, I, I remember even some of them putting... Um, mascara on me and they would do things to me sometimes even though I had the, the guy friends and play the sports and be a boy there was moments where they're like oh let's do your hair and put mascara on I'm like really and you know to me it was uh it's okay because they're just you know that's what they did maybe because I was watching too much and I would stare at them and they were walking around naked you know we didn't care it was just like it wasn't nothing just to see a naked body and I guess that's it coming up growing up with women especially the girls they all like babied me because i'm the youngest boy so they were just like everything is just the brother the little brother they're all so proud of me right now so i thank my sisters so much because they're all just like you know they're just amazing they're like mothers to me <laughs> and you were their living doll baby you know like paper dolls you dress up yeah and the dolls that the kids but you were living which is Wonderful. I mean, it's a it's beautiful to hear those yeah. things. What was it like working with Giorgio Armani, Jean-Paul Gaultier, 
Iman, Kate Moss, and so many others at such a young age. What was that like? It, it was it was almost like surreal because I remember as a child and as a teenager and um, meeting these people who were already in the limelight and fabulous and the way they welcomed me, they saw me as a rising star. They saw me as someone like, oh, you belong with us. You can sit with us. And I said, okay. So to me, and my father always taught me, you know, don't treat celebrities like they're better than anyone else because we're all the same. So I never was a wild factor like, oh my God, maybe a few of them when I met Armani and he kissed me on the cheek and he was like 10 beautiful men. And he just said, he told his friend, oh, he's assistant. I want him for my show. And I was like, what is he saying? He said, he loves you. You're in his show. I'm like, what? So when you meet these people and they're just so at it, like you're working for me, we love you. And that's it. And then you say me, like, what is it? But then me being six, three and a hundred, maybe and 70 pounds as a young kid and had long, beautiful hair and pretty face. They said, oh, are you Egyptian? Are you Moroccan? Are you Roman? You know, what are you? Where are you from? So I'm from Puerto Rico. They're like, wow. So I guess, they, you know, being exotic and having the Afro roots because we come from that. It also, you know, they said people love the, 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 someone that's different. You know, that, that's what I've learned. And all those people from Armani to Jean-Paul Gaultier, Terry Mugler was the first one. He actually took me to Paris and I did his show. And that's where I met Iman. She was my first runway partner. So... It, it's something that it's just amazing. You can't take, you can't take it back because it's something that it was just given. And, and I guess that helped me and boost me to become a designer because that's not, that wasn't my dream. My dream was to become a veterinarian. Really? Yes. A veterinarian. How yeah. interesting. <laughs> and that leads me to another question. I, did I get veterinarian and dancer mixed up? Did you dance like a gazelle? I mean... I did. I did. I did. I danced for years. I was... I grew up in the Bronx with the world of salsa, of course, and then electric yes. boogie and break dancing. So I would just jump in whatever I could learn. Then on the side, when no one was watching, I would put on the nutcracker and practice ballet. <laughs> so that's because I, I didn't go to school for none of this so I was just in the house and I would just practice my pirouettes and my genets and uh, they were just some beautiful things and the attitudes and I had no idea I was doing this till I met professional dancers and they're like hey you have a great turnout and you can wow how did you and I'm like uh what school did you go to in a school of hard knocks you know it's just just <laughs> yeah so this it, it, the dance again it comes from the roots that I came from it's beautiful and um it, it all binded, you know, jumping together because when Terry Mugler auditioned and he saw me, he saw me dancing first. And he said, I want you, he said, I want you to dance at my show, which was in the world of voguing. So uh -huh. me, myself and Willie Ninja were the first two ever to take voguing to Europe. Before anyone, before Malcolm McLaren, before Madonna, before it was all in Harlem first, where it came from the 60s and 70s and the kids were doing it and but we were the first two to take it abroad with an international, like worldwide designer or well known. And we broke the barrier. Now it's, it's just everyone and everybody who's jumped into the pot. It's like, so I'm happy to say that me and Willie Ninja and we took it to Paris and with so Terry took us and we, we got to do it with Iman. And I remember she asked me, she said, what do I do? I said, what do you mean? What do you do? You're already doing it. You are Vogue. I told her. We follow you. And she's like, well, what? I said, just keep posing. Because Vogue comes from the magazine, Vogue. You know, that's yes. where Vogue comes. 
So it comes from the women that pose. So as men, mm -hmm. uh, the gay the gay men who did it in Harlem, they were started posing, and that's where the the name came from. And then of course the acrobats came in, and the the hieroglyphics of the Egyptian poses and the mannequin poses, and it's all you know the runway, and that's where the, it was formed the, the the dance. So women, women again, back to women. <laughs> Yeah, that's where it is. So, uh, yeah. Well, I loved it. I loved Armani. I'm going to go back a minute because I was so involved. I didn't say what I was going to say, especially since it's all about you, you telling your story. But when you said that Armani met you and pulled you aside, I had the pleasure of meeting him three weeks before he went on to another plateau. And he treated me as if, I was someone very, very special. And um, he said, I'm going to be in touch with you. And mm -hmm. uh, of course, we all know. But mm -hmm. you know, the thing is, you are effervescent and you're well rounded with all the things that you do. Who did you dance with as a professional dancer? Did you dance with a group? I danced, uh, of course, with Malcolm McLaren. We did a tour with him throughout Europe and Asia and Canada and the States. I did the video Deep in Vogue and Walt Starling. Um, it was amazing in 1989. And then I also danced with the Doug Elkins Dance Company, which I was an awe to actually have a dance company say, you can dance with us and go to the Joyce Theater and a Cassis in Toulon in France and Germany. And I'm like, oh, wow. And these are professional trained dancers. So to me, I was intimidated for them. They were like, you're amazing. I'm like, what? So I got to say thank you to Doug Elkins. Thank you to Willie Ninja and Grace Jones. I got to do uh, Osaka with her and Germany and a few other places. So I get to do some backup with Grace Jones as well. So that that was amazing, though, those those times. And yeah, and we're Malcolm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those were the best times. So and I would like to thank you. You're Adrian, welcome. Thank you. And I apologize for... My language, but you know, so it's much. all good. And now I know, and I'd like to thank our guests and all of our viewers for watching the Foxworth Theory. And this is Eugenia Foxworth. And please, uh, thanks to um, our guests. And we will be on next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Uh, at uh, Eastern Standard Time, since he travels all the time. The Harlem America Digital Network and on the Voice America Variety Channel. Thank you and travel you. safely, everyone. Be Thank well. you. Welcome to a place where students meet Madame Curie, M.C. Escher, and Henry David Thoreau and prepare to make their own marks on history. Welcome to the place where graduates become heroes for the community and good things happen to people who earn them. Welcome to a whole new world, one student at a time. Welcome to Collin College. Thank you for listening to the Foxworth Theory. Be sure to join us for new shows every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel, and the shows are also available on the Harlem America Digital Network. 
We'll talk again next week. <laughs>